Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello there, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier and studying for that MS pin. July 22nd in Dallas, the, uh, I sit for the theory, actually, I think I'll stand because I, uh, I like to stand and be questioned, <laughs> be detained, be, be uh, interrogated about the world of wine, spirits, sake, beer, uh, cigars, coffee, tea, water even. It's just going to be so much fun, so much to learn. It's a hospitality profession, and I do like making people smile. And I'm smiling today because, uh, lo and behold... A uh, gentleman uh, walked into my life, and has just as I was going through the door, like, boom, he showed up, and I said, hey, we need to talk. Here we are tonight. It's uh, Steve Medwell, and he is uh, one of two called The Princess and the Bear. It's a uh, wine distributorship. They've got uh, a host of new wines from the Languedoc, and I've never been there, but of course, you might recall, we had Cyril Frechier talking about the Languedoc, or uh, for you Americans, Languedoc. Um you know, either way gets you gets you where you want to go. But Languedoc is the French, uh, pr- the preferred French uh, pronunciation. It is the language of the pays of the countryside. So uh, let's talk about some wines from France and uh, how you got in the biz. Uh, Stephen Medwell, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks very much, Chris. My pleasure. Uh, let me just correct one thing that you said. We're actually. We we are actually mostly retailers. We import. We're importers. Uh, okay. We import. We have an import license, we have a distributor license, and a retail license. And we have our, our predominant sales are through our website, which is princess, which is princessandbearwines.com. Okay. Um, but you've got all three. Wow, you've got the, the holy trinity. <laughs> we, we, are, we are. We're a triple threat, as they say. All right. I like it. Well, actually, I was a colorectal surgeon in Seattle for 40 years. I retired on Halloween of last year. And my wife is a practicing attorney. She's a family lawyer, divorce lawyer. And uh, we bought a house in the Languedoc about uh, four years ago. And we started tasting these absolutely incredible wines. Well, wait. So most people end up buying houses in the south of France, and that's where you are, right? Let's talk about the Languedoc. Where in France is that? The, uh, the Languedoc is the southwest corner of France. It starts at the Rhone River mm-hmm. uh, by Aix-en-Provence, uh-huh. and it stretches all the way to the Spanish border along the Mediterranean. And what's so amazing about the and it's the it's arguably the largest wine producing region in the world. Uh, there's some some argument that says that there's an area in Spain that produces a little La Mancha, bit more, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's close. Okay. Anyway, and if, for years and years and years, it was known as a bulk wine producing region. The wine lake back in the day. We study wine, study economics and marketing. This is one of the issues that was uh, associated with uh, a place that had fertile lands and was uh, employed by the French government to keep people employed was by planting grapes and by having make you know keeping an industry, which was the most pertinent industry in the French economy, winemaking, because it had spanned everywhere about all the communes, north, south, east, and west. Yeah, that's exactly correct. But what's happened over the last few decades? is that, first of all, France has a program now where they're pulling up vines. Right. Uh, 
But more importantly, what's happened is that people recognize the amazing terroir and the variability of the terroir, the earth, and the climate uh, uh, that uh, is present in Languedoc. And as a result of this, winemakers just have come to, they just literally flocked to the area. Uh, and there's just, there's literally thousands of small little boutique domains and chateaus where they're just producing this amazing wine. Right. It's truly the French countryside. And what's unique about it is that they've been growing wines for hundreds of years, like every other place uh, that's been uh, the Etruscans and the, the Greeks who came up and the Romans, etc. Of course, all of France has, has vines. And in the Languedoc, they were growing vines. And a lot of those vines are Old vines. Absolutely. Some of the wines that we're going to taste today have some old Carnion, which is a, a different type of grape. Uh, but some of, the, some of the wines that we're bringing in have, uh, the vines are over 100 years old. And that and that's what's really special about it, and that's what I think is drawing to these these winemakers. A because these days it's hard to find a spot in Burgundy if you want to make great Pinot Noir in France. You can go other places. Um, you can probably go to Germany and get better land in the faults if you're trying to go Pinot Noir or Pinot Nero. Uh, but really, where can you find old wines? And that's what made Spain's Prirot region so uh, interesting. And just talking about Carignan, that's where they grow some of those Rhone varieties and some of those esoteric wines, if you will. Um, but here in the Languedoc. You actually was was pronounced or, or founded on really the Cab Merlot and Chard for the masses, right? It was just part of the the jug wine culture, right? Those are the those are the uh, the, the the so called continental grapes. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's happened is is now we've got these Mediterranean grape varieties uh, that that's really kind of it's changing the whole game. Um, and these Mediterranean grape varieties that we'll talk about in just a little bit, just add these, just, they're just these wonderful wines. And when my wife Carol and I moved there temporarily, we visited there and we're drinking these wines that were 10, 12, 15 euros a bottle, and we were just completely blown away. <laughs> and so, you know. I, After, you know, and that's not part of just being there, right? Because that $3 rosé or that 3 euro rosé in the day oh, was beautiful. But when you get home, like, hmm, kind of different. You know, I, 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 uh, I just was talking to some people the other day about uh, visiting Napa. You know, when you run down to Napa or Sonoma, you know, and the birds are chirping and the sun's out and the flowers are Growing and you're, and you're seduced by these you're surroundings, seduced, and you're tasting these you're tasting these wines, and and you're buying these cabs that are eighty to hundred dollars, and then you get home and you say, huh, huh. Yeah. What did I do here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of it. That's part of the allure of the wine, the romantic culture. Did that get, that must have struck a chord with you, obviously, if you fell in love with uh, Languedoc and found a lifestyle down there, which is certainly different from Seattle. Oh, it's completely different, especially Seattle now. I mean, when I moved here in 1973, things were really different. I moved here in 73. There you go. Yeah. Maybe that, was that you at the bar that night? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I was uh, at the the bars on the playground. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, folks, I'm speaking with Stephen Medwell, and he is the founder and partner in The Princess and the Bear, which is a local importer, uh, distributor, and retail shop. You can find uh, uh, some of their portfolio at Princess and the Bear Wine, princessandbearwine.com. Princessandbear.com. We're talking about how you f you fell in love with the Languedoc. Now, I was saying most people fall in love with the Southern Rhone or perhaps Britannia or Alsace, um, but there must have been a lot of space in old towns, and, and really, what's the vibe down there in the Languedoc? You know, when everyone talks about the south of France, they talk about Provence. Sure. Well, yeah. You know, and the difference is, is that because the, the nude beaches. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, there's a nude. There's a there's a whole the nude. There's a whole nude city, about twenty five minutes from where we live. Okay. But we won't get into that today. All right. Um, 
the Languedoc is what Provence was 40 years ago. They have these rolling, these incredible rolling hills, this great terroir, amazing variability in the terrain. But more importantly, there's no tourists. There's no tour buses. There's no little trains that are carrying people around the city pointing out various things. It's just quiet. It's a rural way of life. Uh, it's all, it's devoted to to wine and uh, It's agriculture, grapes. right? I mean, it's this is just, the, it's really, truly a look back into the lifestyle of the French and especially the Southern French. Now, there, of course, we know that through history, there's been a lot of that change through the borders and there's probably some different dialects, there's a little different, uh, little kind of language, if you will, right? Is there, uh, uh, is there by, where's San Sebastian from uh, Languedoc? Oh, it's a long way. San Sebastian, Bilbao. Is up on the Atlantic coast of Spain. Okay, if that's what you're talking yeah, about. That's, yeah, uh, that's yeah. It's actually, uh, it's actually about. Uh, I think it's about six hours from our house. Okay, and our, Bordeaux, you said was four and a half. Exactly. All right, and uh, how many neighbors do you have? You have a a, a a maison or a chateau or a domain. It must be a domain, right? No, we have a house. You have a house. Okay, <laughs> we live in a house. Uh, we live in actually an old Maison de Vigneron, an old Vigneron's, an old winemaker's home. It was built in 1785. Uh, we live in a village of 1,200 people, and there's a few expats. Um, there's actually a, I, I mean, I'm a retired surgeon from Seattle. We met, we met a retired family practice doctor from Tacoma in our village of 1,200 <laughs> people. It's crazy. But most of the people who live in our village are just uh, rural people who are hardworking, and I mean, it's it's smaller than Duval. I mean, it, it is a tiny place. So let's talk about owning a place in France. Now, it, I understand you lease it for ninety nine years. Is it like Hong Kong and the British, or do you, can you truly own the papers? And are you concerned about? Uh, how, do you have a? Na- it's probably a small town, so you're not really concerned about having, you know, marauding bands of of people who just ransack places because they know an expat lives there. No. Uh, uh, the, no, no. The, the answer to your last question is no. There's no are, marauding bands. Of we people. are not worried about that. <laughs> you buy a house. Uh, you buy a house in France, just like you buy a house in uh, uh, by Green Lake. Okay. Uh, the only difference is that uh, one's made of wood and the other's stone. <laughs> one's made of wood, exactly. <laughs> the other difference is that the uh, the mortgage rates are under two percent. Ah, excellent. So, and, and the and then being retired, he's probably okay because you know I know that they're looking to. Uh, uh, yellow vest or something, I get it. Yeah, the gilet jaune. Um, the um, the housing prices also in the south of, in southwest France are amazingly inexpensive. You were talking about Bordeaux earlier. I mean, if you want to if you want to go make you know if I want to go make wine, I don't make wine, but if I wanted to go buy dirt in Bordeaux or Burgundy, I'm looking at millions of dollars per yeah. per hectare. Hector is two and a half acres, right. as you know. Like Napa. I mean, it's really that. Yeah. Like Champagne. It's just the, the greatest places in the world where real estate and vine growing, each vine is expensive. Each cluster. That's why the bottles, therefore, are expensive, kind of. Yeah, no, that's exactly why the bottles are expensive. You know, but what's happening is these winemakers are coming down from Bordeaux and Burgundy and Alsace and Loire Valley, and they're buying these domains that have plots around them or chateaus that are completely surrounded by... Uh, by their vineyards, and they buy them at reasonable reasonable prices. It allows them to produce juice that's very reasonably priced. 
And uh, also, very speaking of the terroir, you know, I think Languedoc's got um, a little bad rap because it was part of the wine lake, and so wine prices were very, very low, and quality was probably not so much. They were were worried about just hey, it grows right. This is what we do. It's sunny, and you know, they've got uh, enough, and that probably contributed to the idea that well, it's it's mediocre quality. But you can, like any region, if you take care of the place, if you take pride, if you have the good equipment, if you're looking for. Uh, understanding varieties and the characteristics and typicity, what's going to make that a world-class wine, you can certainly make that. There's something called like Bertrand or some... Gerard Bertrand. Gerard Bertrand. Actually, he, I know him. Yeah, we, we know he him. has been a very big proponent of some of those uh, uh, sub-AVAs of the Languedoc, Minervois and, and the, um, oh, the ones with the L. So he's putting it out there. You'll see the, the Languedoc in, in ads, and um, he's bringing that quality to the forefront. When you had wine as a doctor here in Seattle, you were probably drinking Washington wine, probably French wine. I, I was drinking mostly mostly uh, California Washington okay. wines. Okay, which yeah. are very different. Well, they're not so different, actually, because they still had ripeness and polish, mm-hmm. maybe a little more rustic when you're there because it goes with the food, and there's less new oak because in the Long Dock, they're not spending that kind of money because they weren't getting that kind of money for the vines nor for the land. and. Uh, really, they were able to create a delicious type of of coffee wine that worked well, and they were to sell it right that 's kind of how it worked it was, most of it was five dollar wine and then we 're looking at older vines, smaller wine making smaller plots, individual uh, philosophies that bring in quality. You yeah. found those people we did uh, and uh, it it was uh it 's been a, just a great adventure you know we would uh, We've had some help curating our collection. I'm sure you know who Jancis Robinson is. Uh, yes, I actually met Jancis. Did you really? Yes. I mean, well, you know, hello. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know who Jancis Robinson is, Jancis Robinson is a wine scholar. She's kind of the she's kind of the Robert Parker of uh, Robert Parker of, of English uh, wine of, women <laughs> of the United Kingdom. Exactly right. And one of our real dear friends, uh, who's helped us curate our collection, is the. Is Jancis Robinson's lips of her her, her he's assistant? Her taster. Uh, he's her taster. He's her taster for the Languedoc. Uh, like he's the that. one who picks the wines. Her palate, Rec- exactly. Ah, uh, very good. This much like an artist would have a palate with a, a host of different colors. Uh, he has, uh, she has a palate of a uh, gentleman. Um, good for you. You met somebody down there. You've got some good connections. And speaking with Stephen Medwell, uh, Doctor uh, Extraordinaire, and the Bear of Princess and the Bear. Uh, dot com, right? This is the princessandbear.com. Princessandbear.com. Hey, we've got some wine that tastes, so stick around. We're going to come back with uh, some white and red right here on Happy Hour Radio. Two regular guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570. KBI. KBI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Hey, Seattle. Happy May. Happy Saturday night. And welcome back. It's time for round two. And yet uh, I got four glasses, but only two have wine. Uh, Dr. Stephen Medwell, who is the bear of the Princess bear.com and that's uh, a retail shop online you can buy some really fun wines uh, i'm trying to figure out price points here and uh, you brought four wines today let's just talk about the white wine you brought here uh the first the, oh, let's, let's start with the uh mastinui roe blanche mastinui roe blanche is actually made by a belgian uh winemaker who's moved down to the uh languedoc uh he's actually a surgeon 
<laughs> like me, like I was. Um, and, uh, and Pierre uh, has his domain up in what's called Fougere, which is in the northern stretches of the Languedoc. And the great thing about these wines, the Fougere, is that the terroir that they're grown on is schist, which is basically shale. So the vines are old. The roots of the vines go down uh, about 30 feet. You know, and so you get this great minerality. Kind of like 10 meters? Like 10 meters. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And you get this great minerality. The first wine is a combination of, of, uh, it's mostly Chardonnay with a little bit of, uh, with a little bit of Viognier. It's completely unoaked. So this is a completely different style of Chardonnay than you're, that most people are used to drinking. Uh, uh, we call it Sablisienne, right? <laughs> We're talking about uh, Betsonage. You get some least stirring, create some creaminess texture. Uh, is, is there no mallow? Is there a little mallow or no mallow? I don't think there's any mallow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no, rounded, it's... so that must be just from the, le- the yeast, uh-huh. the lees. And, uh, of course... Having Chardonnay down there, it's uh, it's called uh, Indicazione Geografica Protege, right? IGP, correct. IGP. Yeah. Um, the thing about this Chardonnay is, though, this is grown, Chardonnay can be a hot weather grape. This grape is grown high in the hills. It's at 1,000 feet. Um, so, you know, it's, it's cool, it's crisp. It's, it's cool for that region. Right, for that region. I mean, we're not going to say that it's, no, it's, not, it's not, right. not North Bend cool. No, it's no. It's or definitely. Portland cool, right? <laughs> that's a different kind. And of it's cool. cool. It's cool for the region. Yes, and yeah. that's what makes the difference. Where right. you're actually, especially for Chardonnay, you want to maintain acidity. And when you have ripeness, um, a lot of times these wines are very plush. They're very ripe. They lose some of the acidity and tannin because they're overcropping. In the old days, they were. These days, they're looking to make great wines that have uh, classic uh, approachability. I think that's really what they want. They look. This is my site. Although this is a blend that's unconventional. It's completely unconventional. I mean, you're pretty, I mean, I'm sure there's a Chardonnay Viognier in the United States, but I just don't know about it. Oh, yes. Um, and they actually pair well together because uh, if you get acidity from Chardonnay, Viognier doesn't have high acidity, but Viognier has this great uh, floral texture, this roundness, this pear quality. When you have apples, lemons, and pears, it's really going to be a nice blend. Of course, they have that creamy texture here. Uh, I want to say, is it screw top? No, the other one's screw top. So this is still in no, a cork. These are all these are all cork wines. Oh, they are all cork. Actually, wines. yeah, we made a commitment to not bring screw tops. There's nothing sexy about a screw top, <laughs> and we want so we want sexy wines. <laughs> yeah, okay, we can't go anywhere with that. Uh, um, uh, so these are available on your website, right? So they the are. Uh, Domaine Mas Nuit uh, Robe Blanche uh, 2017. Uh, 85% Chardonnay, 50% uh, Viognier, and it's only fourteen ninety nine. That's correct. The price point of our wine, that's what, the, the great thing about the wines that we're bringing in here, uh, are the price points are just ridiculously low for the quality of wine that you're getting. Yeah, it's it's delicious wine. It's not, uh, um, say anything, Kendall Jackson Vintners Reserve, which is a million cases or two million cases. Uh, it's a standard wine, but it just lacks some personality. It's kind of, you know, it's the Barbie doll. If you will, where this is a French gal and you just met uh, <laughs> down in that IGP area. Okay, so uh, you brought another white. This is called Les Terras de Gabriel. How about that? Right, Les Terras de Gabriel is actually one of Jancis Robinson's favorite producers in the Languedoc. And unlike the first white we tasted, the Mastin Wee, uh, this wine is all Mediterranean. It's a Mediterranean blend. It's got Grenache Blanc, Rousson, Vermentino, and Viognier. And Vermentino is known as Roll. 
That's the Bon Tons Roll with Vermentino, uh, certainly grown in northern Italy, but also right down in the whole Mediterranean area. Vermentino was really kind of a sexy. You'd think it would be, it would have hit big in the 80s or the 70s when we had Valentino and the, all the fashion with uh, the Italian fashionistas. Uh, but Vermentino is kind of a sexy uh, grape by itself. But in this case, it just adds a little more harmony. This is really what you always call an indigenous person here because you got <laughs> well, the name, a couple cousins and some uncles. and The name of this wine is called Suafi Dial, and it actually means... Uh, ideal thirst. Yeah, ideal thirst. And it's really, it's just a, it's just a perfect thirst quenching wine. Mm. What do you think? Well, I, I agree because the acid is actually, it's just, it's, it's a little lighter than, uh, the acid is a little lower than the first wine because the Chardonnay you would think would be more acidic. Um, this is really more generous on the palate in terms of fleshiness. Uh, again, we're talking about pear or melon. Uh, we don't talk about lemon here unless it's like lemon meringue or just enough lemon curd. It's got sweetness to it in your mind, so it's not so sharp. Mm-hmm, but it's got a great mouthfeel. Yeah, it, the it's texture just... here is great because you've got Grenache Blanc, Roussan, and the Viognier again, which gives you just a little added lift in the, in the aromatic. Uh, Saint-Chinian is actually a um, AOP. Right, AOP, AOC. Right, it's Appellation what... Origine Protégé. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is the 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 new version of the uh, uh, European Union's term for Appalachian wines uh, versus the IGP, which is a larger area, less defined. AOP has certain restrictions, uh, certain guidelines, if you will, and this is a classic blend. Late terraces really means uh, the terraces. The terraces, right. Gabriel. Right. Um, this wine is made by a husband and wife team. She's Spanish. He's French. And uh, her family has wines up in a region called Berlou, which is the northern part of St. Chinian, which is also that schist. Um, but he's, I'm not sure exactly where, I'm not sure exactly where all the vineyards are where he gets these grapes. So it's got a very, very terroir, and that's what gives it this, this, kind, of, this kind of interesting and elegant uh, flavor. Well, it's a 30% Grenache Blanc, 30% Roussan, 30% Grol or Vermentino, and 10% Viognier. Uh, Saint-Chinian uh, is known for white wines, of course, and these white wines are really indicative of the place. And is there much Garrigue there? Because when I think of the south of France, when most people might, and Languedoc would be, that's probably the Sud-West, really, if you think <laughs> about it. Uh, is there uh, rosemary and sage? Are there uh, lavender plants? Is it is it just like the continuation that Frank? Or does it change? Is it more alpine esque? Does it have more pinion trees? It's it's alpine esque because you go really high in the uh, north, uh, in, so you go in north. the farther north yeah. part of Languedoc. But the thing about the Languedoc is that I mean, if you go re- right, you go right to the ocean, where you have peak pools and La Clop and places like that, where you can actually taste it's almost you can taste the salt water. In the in the in the wines, it's crazy. You think they'd get a distillery down there at some point, like uh, Isla Scotch or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Princess and the Bear is only a year old. Yeah, we uh, we brought our first container in in November. We started selling directly online to consumers at princessandbear.com. You can also follow us at at Princess and Bear Wines on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, and We've just uh, we've just having a great time. It's a passion project for my wife and me. It really is. It's a wonderful passion project. We're really, you know, we get behind all these winemakers. You you, you spoke earlier about AOC, AOP, and all the designations that they have. But but what's happening with these winemakers that are coming down here? They're throwing out all the rules. So a lot of the wines we're bringing in don't have that 
the the narrow rules of the AOP. You know, this allows them to grow different grapes, blend different grapes. Yeah, there's not a lot of rules down there per se. There aren't a lot of rules. Um, but they're throwing out the convention. It's like, you know what, I'm going to approach it this way, whereas there's been sort of the uh, the this, uh, fets accompli. This is what they've done for so long. These are the old vineyards. This is what we do. There's no impetus for change unless you're a younger person or a person that's been somewhere else to see, hey, I see this in my future. And what's what's great about that is that it, it brings quality. And once you get quality, you realize that there's more availabilities. And no one ever thought that that could happen. It was what the problem was. Those those, those the wine lake was based on higher production wines, and they were they were never meeting that quality standard that would have made anybody turn their head. These days, smaller production, you're getting that with, uh, the, of course, electronic media, internet, and you can have more access. And, and people like yourself that find these things and say, you know what, I'm going to share them with people. So this wine is not ubiquitous. This is a small production wine from a very small place that's far away from the beaten path for most wine people. If you go to the France section in a wine place, Saint-Chinian, it'll be, say, Languedoc, maybe, probably Paydoc. <laughs> and then, you know, you're still, of course, all the French or all Europe has realized that having a place designation is becoming more fanciful or or have a little more cachet, and everybody wants to do that. And Languedoc can do that with some of the old vines. They can, but uh, but but many of them just don't care about those those designations. You know, it's given us a great opportunity. I mean, the way Carol and I taste these wines is that we'll we'll, we'll go to a wine fair or we'll go here and there to various domains. We'll taste the wines and then we'll bring them home. And we'll ah. and we taste them with food, and we go through three or four different tastings of these wines before we decide. You know what? This is it. This is a special wine, at a reasonable price that we can deliver to the consumer uh, that they're just going to love. So, is it shipping, or do you actually have like a DoorDash? <laughs> uh, we have actually, actually, we have a night for the local Seattle area, the what we call the Seattle corridor, the I five corridor uh-huh. here from like. Uh, from like Georgetown all the way to Northgate, we have a 1990 Renault. Uh, oh, how about that? Wagon. Delivered in a French car. Exactly, even. it's got all these logos on it. But we offer free shipping uh, every oh, place wow. else. Okay, hey folks, we're going to try some red wines from Princess and the Bear. Uh, Stephen Medwell's here. We're going to pour some cool stuff. So stick around. I'll be right back on 570 KVI. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Uh, time for round three, and we're into some red wines here. Got Stephen Medwell from the Princess and Bear. Dot com. It's an online retail shop with wines from Languedoc, from the south of southwest of France. Uh, some great values and uh, um, some new and exciting winemakers producing wines that haven't typically been produced from there for nor represented. So it's kind of fun to see somebody in Seattle uh, championing uh, the Languedoc. So you got some red wines here. The first one is called what? First one is called uh, Blue Note. Blue Note. Note de bleu. Note bleu. Keep it simple. <laughs> and Blue Note is made by Claude Domaine Cabrol. Claude. Uh, Claude is one of the two winemakers that I have. I, I can't I can't let my wife loose around these guys. Whoa. <laughs> okay. I'm not I think my wife might run away with Claude. But ah. anyway, uh, this is 80% Grenache Noir and 20% Syrah. 
Excellent. Um, taking a big smell, this wine. This is a little reductive. I, I'm not sure if that is that part of the Syrah winemaking or is they use some stems here. Uh, it certainly has that uh, that power lurking behind, you know, this little veil of sulfur and, and uh, just a little reduced aroma here, which says it's a, probably a powerful wine underneath this. Yeah, there is a powerful wine underneath this. This is fermented in whole bunches. Um, stems. It's it's uh yeah you just got the stems is what you're what you're mm-hmm. what you're uh, which tasting. also adds some pepper and some spice and just a little different tannin profile which is is great obviously you want uh, those tannins to be um long branch long chain not astringent you want to have that palatable taste and that typically comes uh with this wine obviously grenache is the the Really, the beautiful cranberry juice of wines. Mm-hmm. It goes with everything, right? Uh, and then you got Syrah, which is more of the the Welch's, right? Because you got that color. It's got strength. You don't need a lot of it. When you think about Welch's, it's really dark, and that's simplifying it, of course. But if you think about how those two work together, one's red fruits, one's blue and purple fruits, mm-hmm. sometimes black. Yeah, I poured this wine last night to uh, the owners of a little place on Mercer Island that does food event called Carusios, and. Uh, I thought he was going to fall off his chair. He loved it so much. It was great. Uh, well, did he? No, he did not fall he off did his not chair. Fall off Thank his goodness. Chair. Uh, sounds like a nursery rhyme here. This is a this is a great for, for me. This is a great everyday drinking wine. I, we call this a glug glug wine. I mean, you open a bottle of this and you sit around. And you just can pound it down. It's just so. <laughs> well, it's very it says, easy drinking. It says open a bottle or two with friends. And there's no end to the evening. <laughs> so invite some friends you want you really like. Right, and call Uber at the end of the evening. Uh, for sure. Um, this is interesting because it is really rather dark. I mean, 20% straw, you must have a lot of color down there with all that sunshine. Sunshine creates uh, anthocyanins, which are the color components of grapes and skins. Um, is is the winemaking, you said it was done in, in what? You, the fermentation was how? Some of it's in oak. Some of it's in oak. Um but it's all neutral oak. It's all bigger, bigger Bozzi or Fjordur and uh, larger Slovenian casks, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they're not using little bariques. No, they're not losing little bariques for this wine. And the wine is... They the, really can't afford to. Because this wine... Well, not I new mean, anyway. Yeah. I mean, the retail price of this wine is $16.99. So they can't be spending $2,000 on small barrels. So tell me about the winemaker. Domaine de Cabrol. For a second, I thought it was Spanish and Cabron. Um, now, now, Claude is... Uh, Claude is a tall, strapping guy who's about sixty-five years old. Just you know, his hands are his hands are purple from making wine. I mean, the great thing about uh, the great it's thing about then, the, huh? the great thing about these winemakers is, unlike a lot of places, I mean, these are the people who go out and they trim the vines in the wintertime. They till the soil, they grow the grapes. They're out there harvesting the grapes. They're making the wine. And they're farmers, they're, they're, they're enologists, they're, then they're marketers and they're salespeople. They kind of do everything. And it's really a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful way of life. It's well, really I guess you're, you're in charge. You're de- yeah, you've got the, the bottle, chief cook and bottle washer, I yeah. imagine, yeah, and, uh, and, and also this, representative. Yeah, and this wine also comes from the Cabardes. Cabardes is the far northwest corner of the Languedoc. And it has much more of a of a uh, of an Atlantic climate, if you will, okay. not a Mediterranean climate. So probably a little more rainfall just coming over because I don't think there's any big mountains. Um, there's probably a little more hills. Well, there's just more hills. And, right. But, the, but the, the wind called the Tramontane, which is this wind that just whips through the area. And that and the Tramontane and the winds that occur in the area allow them to make a tremendous amount of, of biodynamic and organic wines. 
biodynamic. The wind is, doesn't make the biodynamic. It's the people's mentality that want to do biodynamic. But the wind allows them to use a lot less chemicals. Right. No copper sulfate. And uh, when you, you need to, because grapes in certain warm climates with humidity, uh, the thinner skins and all the yeast and microbial activity, they're, they're, you know, a little break, a little insect bites it and the juice comes out and then mold can grow or uh, mildew i would say right, uh, ponospera and odium uh, are two of the uh, plagues that uh, hurt vitis vinifera and other grapes uh steven medwell did you buy this wine i mean how long did it take you to really fall in love with this wine because this wine has more structure it's juicy um and it's ripe but it has some structure and a little bit of that funk which is kind of reminds me of you know the south of france i like the funk <laughs> we actually, actually, like the funk <laughs> we like anyway uh, we got turned on to this winemaker by the people whose bubbly wine we bring in. We bring in uh, a couple of different bubblies, and as you probably know, sparkling wines developed, were developed first in Languedoc, well before they were developed in Limoux, in, Limoux, in 1200. In the Mauzac. Exactly. Uh-huh. And when we were buying the wine there, the uh, nice lady uh, who... Um, works at J. Laurent's, where, uh, who, who does our bubbly, um, she said, oh, you've just got to go try the Domaine Cabral. You've just got to go try these wines. <laughs> and, we, and we went up there, and we bring about five of his wines in. Have you been everywhere in the Languedoc? Have you sort of searched uh, the 20-kilometer radius of your village? Yeah, we've searched all over. we searched from the border of Spain all the way to the Rhone River. And how do you negotiate? You speak French then fluently, I imagine? Carol speaks French fluently, oh, and I, I get by. Okay, As I great. tell my friends, I can get by a little bit. I, can, I, mean, I can't go to the hardware store and ask for a coping saw, you know, and get little tiny things at the hardware store, but I can get by. Sure, and I guess that gives you the good French, bad French person, which, you know, you can work as a negotiation. <laughs> All right, you have another red wine here. Uh, this wine is a different bottle, which is interesting because when you think about bottle shapes, it's always been uh, indigenous or unique to certain regions. Of course, the champagne bottle was built to withstand all the pressure, but when you think of burgundy bottles are different from uh, Rhone bottles are different from Alsatian flutes and German flutes, and of course, uh, the Bordeaux lays and the Italian bottles can all be different. And this one is a longer style, what I'll call the Syrah-esque bottle. Uh, it's uh, This is the tallest bottle of all the bottles you brought here. It's got a thick, and, and this is quality glass. I mean, Maybe that's why. Uh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it's the most expensive bottle. That's of wine. it. I'm looking at it from afar. I'm trying to. <laughs> you know, this is what we do. This is how we game the system here. <laughs> this is the. Uh, for this, this wine is. Uh, I'll start with the price first. It's forty nine ninety nine. This is the most expensive. That's the. That's our top price for wines, um, and uh, this is a really special wine. It's got. It's got. It's got the Mediterranean grapes. It's Moved, Carnion, uh, and. Uh, Syrah Grenache Noir. It is elegant. It's got soft tannins. Uh, the uh, Carignan vines are, I, I'm not sure exactly how old they are. They're 80 or 100 years old. I don't think anyone's really planting new Carignan vines. It's I not like, hey, I got an idea. Well, like, Carignan's going to come on in 30 years. Let's get a head start. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Yeah, it's a um, little bit of a Kalamata style olive of, of grapevine, right? Yeah, it's, it's just got some bitterness to it. And it's some, got, yeah, my wife calls this. Uh, uh, Cowgirl wine. Cowgirl, oh, okay. Cowgirl, right. Sorry, cowgirl grape. Because <laughs> when she tastes Carignan, she tastes leather and and saddles and, and chaps. Yeah. They smell that these and, and this, The woman who makes wine, who makes this wine, Kathy, 
uh, with her with her son and daughter-in-law. I mean, she's just got a lot of courage. Her husband was the winemaker with her. Kathy he, Izarn. Uh, he and her husband died in a tragic accident. He was uh, he was uh, doing some tilling of the soil on his tractor. His tractor rolled over, killed him. And uh, she's just carried on. That's tough. It's really tough. It happened about four or five years ago. And she just rolls her sleeves up and she just does it. And she's just great. This wine, for my palate, is just absolutely elegant. Is that what made the vineyard organic? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) You're really bad. (laughs) Oh, it's Saturday night and uh, God rest his soul. And what a way to go, boy, being tilled, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's really part of, uh, what do you call it, the the blood and sweat... (laughs) Blood, sweat, and tears. That's, that's the ultimate BS and T. So fun. So this is really an interesting wine. This is actually has has a lot of structure. It's got the funk of of winemaking, but the winemaking is polished. It's got the funk of the grape varieties: the Carignan, the Morved, Morved white pepper spice. Of course, Syrah. You get the dark purple, blue fruits, and Carignan is just a little bit of uh, what I'll call the hard life. The old vines. In fact, it's written right here. I don't even. I'm just. I'm just pulling that out to talk about Carignan because it's an old, old vine. It's much like the old vines, the Zinfandel vines in Lodi and Amador County, exactly. and Napa Valley. They just. They've been there. They've seen it all, and they have survived. Thanks. And their hands are gnarled, but they um, they still have a lot of wisdom and sage to deliver. Hey, folks, uh, we got one more segment, and uh, we're going to go back and recount all the wines with Stephen Medwolf, the Princess and the Bear, right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back. We'll be on a great Saturday night on your play on your way to someplace delicious or actually working on a beautiful dinner or hors d'oeuvres. Uh, hopefully you have some wine or a beverage open. It's always a good time to uh, tune in and share this with your friends. We meet interesting people all the time. Of course, you uh, remember our uh, our gentleman from Naked Wines, uh, Matt Parrish from uh, Lula Vineyard last uh, week. But here we have a host of winemakers from an old region that's been somewhat overlooked. And now these days we're looking at what the quality of the, the terroir is. When you think about great viticulture and also the age of the vines in the long dock, you have lots of opportunity to craft something that's really uh, expressive of its place of origin. And really, if you clean up the winemaking and go with better yields and viticulture techniques, you're going to make world-class wines. And what we have here today are really great expressions of international grapes, Chardonnay and Viognier. We've got, uh, of course, the, the Lone Rhone Ranger here, Grenache Blanc, Roussan, Vermentino. But then we've got the, the Grenache Noir, which grows both in Spain and in uh, Italy, of course, down in, in Sardinia, and of course uh, in France. Uh, here in Washington State, we have Grenache, we have Syrah, we have Morved, we have uh, Roussan, Chardonnay, Viognier. So if you're looking to really expand your uh, your palate, your understanding and appreciation of wines, reach out to different regions and buy something with grapes that you're familiar with because you'll ha- already have an idea of what those grapes should possess in terms of quality and character um, outside of oak. That's a winemaking technique. But really, you talk about red fruits, blue fruits, flowers, or other 
acid, tannin, alcohol, etc. And these wines are all unique. Steve Medwell, um, how many wines do you have in the Princess and Bear portfolio? Right now we have uh, 53 wines from 11 different producers. Uh, our next shipment is on its way. And at that point in time, we'll have about 120 to 130 wines from the Languedoc, the largest selection of Languedoc wines probably in the United States from 28 different producers. And over half of our producers are women. Wow. We need to do a trade show or a... Uh, there you uh, go. Um, a uh, trade show for, of course, sommiers and maybe something, some wine classes. I think the Languedoc, A, provides value. And what people overlook is that, you know what, because land prices are low... So are the prices. How about that? That's a good thing. So not every expensive wine is going to be fantastic or has a lot of pedigree or has a lot of anything. Sometimes when you plant a new vineyard in 2015, because of the economy, because of that place is already a hotbed of great vineyards and great land prices, you already invested that. So now you have to make that money back. In the first you know, five years, you're hoping, right? And you break even on the sixth. And then um, so... Wine prices is not a uh, proponent or a um, uh, component of quality. It's about the color of the label. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have, like I said, right now we have 53 wines on our website, theprincessandthebear.com. Uh, you can buy spectacular wines for $125 on our list. And, and if you want to stretch out to 30 to $50, there's even better wines. <laughs> well, um, the, you know, great experiences because I think we, we, we want to have people's, you know what, $15 is an everyday wine. And you have a variety of those in the price point between under 20 bucks. Right. And, um, you know, having a different s- styles. What's what fun is to have no expectation, but you want people to really have some expectation. I expect this to be pleasant. And that's what these wines are. They, they have great mouthfeel. They have great ripeness. There's nothing astringent. They're not out of balance. It's, everything is harmonious and dry. Yeah. You can, you know, if you go to our website, you'll see that you can buy individual wines directly from us. Or you can join one of three wine clubs. We have a wine club that we have a wine club every quarter, four, eight, or twelve bottles, and we offer free shipping at theprincessandthebear.com. All right. Well, uh, free sh- so or free delivery between or free delivery. <laughs> Was it Georgetown and uh, ever did you say or Linwood? I forget. Um, well, what a treat, Stephen Medwell. Congratulations. Um, uh, it's a real pleasure for me to to see some new passion after a long career. Um, it's I'm sure it's good keeping you busy. I know that my dad retired after forty some years and. He uh, looked. He's into wine too. So you probably have a big seller yourself, and probably buy the container full. I imagine. But uh, it's Princess. The website. The Princess in the Bear dot com, or you can follow us at Princess and Bear Wines on Facebook or Instagram. All right, Steve Middle. Thank you so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Chris. Hey, folks. Um, it's always great to taste some new wines. Don't be shy. Try. Uh, hey, by the way. Do you have these? There's none of these are available in stores. You have to go to the website. You have to go to the website. You know, there we have we have a few wines at Birch Red Apple, Madison Park. We have some wines at Leshai Market, and we're starting to bring some wines into various selected Leshai Market. Leshai Market. All right, great. My friend yeah. Shannon Blatt's down Les, there. Leshai Market are big fans of ours. They are, and they actually got a great wine selection. And uh, typically, you can find a place to park because there's no place to park, and it's only <laughs> on the street. Uh, hey, folks. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we have a website. It's called Happy Hour Radio. I am going to be in uh, Bordeaux here at Vent Expo. I'll be doing some interviews with some amazing people. Go find my friends Laura Katana. Uh, Jancis Robinson will be there. Uh, Karen McNeil. 
and so many more. I'm excited to learn, taste. Uh, it'll be my first Vin Expo in Bordeaux. Uh, when you're out and about, uh, whether you're flying or driving, especially when you're driving, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Have a great night. Cheers!